Um, guys, we've been going through a series um, every week as we gather, we worship, we, we, we focus our attention on Jesus, and then we open God's word. And our hope is that this isn't just like a, a little, well, let's just sort of see if we can't gather some more knowledge to put in our little bag of tips and tricks to be more religious people. We are actually here to engage with the living God. And Jesus promised that when we gather in his name, that is to say, when we gather around him, focusing our attention on him, putting our trust in him, he is present with us. That is, the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of Christ is actually present to engage with us, to speak to us, to open our hearts, our minds. And so as we open God's word, we're actually tuning in our ears to the voice of God himself. And as Jesus promised us, his sheep will hear his voice. So that's what we do every week. The series that we've been doing that through is called The Classics. And if you're just joining us this morning, we've been looking at all the classic stories throughout the Old Testament specifically. We started with, um, I think, Noah's Ark. We, uh, it's, this is part nine now. We've been at this for a little while. There's a lot of classics. We've looked at the Ark of the Covenant. We've talked about um, the Tower of Babel. This morning, we're all the way up to the book of Joshua, and we're going to look at the story of the walls of Jericho. Anyone, anyone remember that story if you grew up in Sunday school? The walls, wasn't there like a song to go along with like the walls of Jericho and the walls came tumbling down? Veggie tells, thank you. I, I knew I, I heard a song someplace. Guys, classic, quintessential Bible classic. And I hope we'll all find as we, just even as we've been going through these stories together, there is much, much more to this story than perhaps you ever realized if, in fact, you have heard the VeggieTales version, although they do a phenomenal job. So without any further ado, guys, let's open up to the book of Joshua, chapter 6. Um, if you need a Bible, we always have some available um, in analog version in the, the boxes in the aisles there, and you're very, very welcome to grab one of those. Um, so tearing down walls, this is the big idea uh, this morning. Let's go ahead and, I, there, there's much more to the story, but we're, I've encapsulated it, or I've, rather I've taken this sort of, the essence of it in just a few verses here. We're going to read through this, and then we'll, we'll highlight some various aspects of the story. Joshua chapter 6, starting in verse 1. Now, Jericho, that is the city, was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. None went in and none came, none went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all the men of war going around the city once, thus you shall do for six days. Verse four, seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns, that is shofars, before the ark. On the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets, and when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, 
And all the people will shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up, everyone straight before him. Next slide, please. Um, Actually, back up. Okay, that's it. That's the story. That's all we need. Um, Joshua does exactly what he's instructed to do by the Lord. He gathers the people, and he says, look, this is what we're going to do. God has called us to establish his kingdom in this place. He's promised uh, that this land known as Canaan, that apparently um, is full of a people who, who not only don't know the God of the scriptures, Yahweh, uh, but there are people who are serving other um, sinister, dark, uh, evil, if you will, gods. Um, Molech, Baal, and other various Canaanite deities, gods that demand certain kinds of sacrifice, like child sacrifice, certain uh, rites that involve uh, exploitation, uh, violence, uh, perverse sexuality. This, this is the world that Jericho exists and is propagating, and God is now saying, I want to establish my kingdom in this place, and I'm going to use you to do it. This is the great promise of God, that his kingdom would be established on earth. And it's going to begin right here and right now. Now, what a bizarre way to begin that. I want you to gather all of the men of valor, get the Ark of the Covenant, which represents my presence, get the priests, get the ram's horns, and then start circling around the city. Do it six times, and then on the seventh day, I want you to go seven times. And at the end of that day, I want you to blow the ram's horns and then shout and watch the walls come down. What is it about a story about tearing down walls that I think we can all, at some level, totally get with? I mean, it's, it's, it's... It's the story of like overcoming the insurmountable obstacle. The Israelites who who were slaves delivered out of Egypt. The oppressive nation of Egypt. Slaves brought out, set free, delivered by God. Brought through the wilderness, provided for, fed, uh, protected. Come through the wilderness all the way to the land that God had promised, not only them, but the patriarchs, Abraham himself, Isaac and Jacob, this promise that was made over and over and over. I'm going to do something through your family, and it's going to impact the globe. And so these people have been caught up in this promise. They're, they're living out this story that God is telling through history, and finally he's brought them to it. They cross over the Jordan, And God says, right, here's what you're going to do. And they circle around the wall and it falls down. Isn't that just an awesome story? You know, I was was looking all over the house for a rock. This was yesterday. Looking all over the house for a rock that I've held on to, I think, for at least 25 years. You guys remember when the Berlin Wall was torn down, like in like 89, 90? Remember that? No, just totally wasn't alive. Okay, a few of us in here were alive uh, in the early 90s. 
But you got Wikipedia, right? You know what the Berlin Wall is. So this wall that in many ways was sort of like the kind of the epicenter of, of the Cold War and this conflict that was happening between the East and the West. The thing existed from like, what, the early 60s and eventually, I think, was, was torn down in like 90, 89, 90. And it was this epic event. This wall was torn down. But it wasn't the fact that the wall was torn down. It was what, what the wall represented. It was an ideology. It was an injustice. It, was, it represented a people that were being oppressed of course, the East argued that they were simply trying to keep out the fascist West, but as history now tells us, it was something much more going on than that. And when the wall finally came down, the world celebrated because something good had happened. It's a wall story. My cousin went to, to, uh, to Germany there and got a little piece of the wall. Now, to be fair... I, it, could, it would just look like a little piece of cement, but I held on to that thing for like 25 years, and for the life of me, the one time I need a rock for a sermon illustration, I couldn't find the thing. But one day, I assure you, I will find that piece of the Berlin Wall in my house someplace. But it's a wall story. Just think for a moment. Are there any walls in your life that you would love to see come down. Could be, could be a real wall. I've, I've, I've heard rumors of, of walls being built um, in the world these days, and no, I'm not, I'm not about to get political. Um, could be a physical wall. More than likely not. Emotional wall, likely. Um, could be a circumstantial wall. Could be like a wall of debt you just keep ramming into, and every time you, you, you think you're about to get over the thing, it's like, man, that wall is just there looming over you. Um, I think probably one of the greatest walls, if, if I can just use the analogy that I've ever faced in my life, has is, is been a relational wall. Um, I've told the story many times, but marriage. Marriage is like you, you, you pray, you pray, you pray that finally God would bless you with this like partner you could do life with, and then he does, and this is the promise, right? And then like you're crossing over into the promised land, you guys tracking with me, and then the next thing you know, you're like running full speed head first into this immovable object, and it hurts, and it makes you feel like, what? God, hmm, you tricked me. <laughs> what have I done and it can, it can feel like, wow, like I've, I've, I've run into this impassable barrier. And, and I feel like it's meant to come down. I feel like what God promised me doesn't involve this barrier that I keep running into. God help me tear this wall down. And this is the story. This is the story of Jericho and this wall. God promised his people that he was going to bring them into this land and that through them, he was going to bring, bring restoration, that he was going to bless the world. And so they're following him, and they're trusting him, and they finally cross over, and what do they run into? A wall, a giant wall. Guys, this is one of the things that I love about the Christian faith. Let me, re, let me get a, go to the next slide, and I'll show you what I mean. Next slide, please. 
So this is New Testament. These are excerpts from three different letters written to Christians around the first, second century. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verses three to five. For though we live in the world, obviously, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world, that is, they're not carnal. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We're talking about ideological walls, spiritual walls, invisible barriers that God arms us to tear down in Christ. Romans 8, 37 to 39 We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. There is no wall too thick or high that can separate us from the love of God in Christ. And finally, in Ephesians chapter two, verse 14, for he himself, that is Jesus, is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. The context, that verse is actually talking about the wall that often separates us from one another, walls of bitterness, walls of racism, Walls of socioeconomic divide. Walls that would say, no, I'm up here, you're down here, know your place. These walls that society and our politics construct that keep us apart from one another. These are, these, are, these are realer than real walls. And these are the kind of walls that we're called to tear down. That we've been given weapons, divine spiritual weapons to tear down. I love this about following Jesus. Before I became a Christian, let me share this with you guys. Before I became a Christian, I was probably one of the most passive people you will have ever met. And not just passive aggressive, although I'm I'm pretty good at that as well. Um, But just passive, just passive. I avoided conflict, I avoided competition, I avoided anything that would require me to rise up and overcome. I remember one time I was very young, I I came across this book called The Tao of Pooh. You guys ever come across this? It's it's basically, it's an an apologetic for Taoism, and I'm not trying to criticize another religion, but this is what the book said. It basically exemplified the life of Winnie the Pooh to say, "This, this is the life. This is how we're meant to, to, to experience whatever life has to offer. And of course, we all know Winnie the Pooh. He just sort of wanders through life and if there's a wall in his way, he just kind of, he'll just turn around and walk the other direction. And life just kind of takes him along. I thought, awesome, that so totally works for me. And I, I embraced it and, and I just ended up smoking a lot of pot for like close to 10 years. Total waste of time. Huge waste of time. And then Jesus came bombarding into my life. I promise you, this is the weirdest thing. I give my life to Jesus. I make this decision 
to put my faith in Jesus. And for the first time in my life, I felt feelings of competition. Like I wanted to win games. I wanted to score goals. I wanted to actually like overcome obstacles in my life as opposed to simply succumbing, as opposed to simply resigning myself to the status quo. Or like, eh, it's a wall. I guess I'll just go the other way. Puff, puff, pass. Jesus began to say, no, no, no. Though you live in the world, I've given you weapons to tear down strongholds that would keep you and others from experiencing something greater that is the very love of God in Christ. So that's, that's the story we're invited to participate in. If you're interested in following Jesus, it begins with the walls we erect in our own hearts and minds, for sure, but then extends beyond us to tearing down walls that reinforce the existence of entire kingdoms, oppressive systems, uh, regressive institutions, because as we'll see, this wasn't just a wall. This was a wall that reinforced a kind of kingdom. And God calls us to tear down those types of walls. Uh, Ephesians 6 verse 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. We're called to do this. So question, what does it take to tear down walls in your life? Have you thought of a wall or two? Okay, something that you look at, you think this, this surely is not God's best for my life. This, this is not a wall that's meant to be in my personal life. Perhaps it's a wall that you're observing in the world around you. So, you know, that's an unjust wall. The wall in Berlin was never meant to be there. It needs to be torn down. So the question then is, fine, God, how do we tear down walls in our own hearts, and our own minds, and the world around us where we observe injustice and seeing evil running unchecked? How do we tear down walls? That's the question. Number one, remember, remember, God leads every new generation to the walls of dark kingdoms. That's the next slide. God leads every new generation to the walls of dark kingdoms. Um, You know, this is not the first time that God's people, Israel, had seen these walls. If you go back uh, to the book of Numbers, we actually read about Joshua, who's the leader of Israel at this point in time, uh, another guy named Caleb, and a handful of spies that were sent uh, by Moses at that point in time to, to see what, what they were coming up against upon crossing over into this, this land that God had called them to. And uh, you might remember the story. They come back, and uh, two of the men, Joshua and Caleb, say, look it, there's giants, there's walls, uh, there, there's definitely a battle to be fought, but God is with us. 
Like we can do this. He's promised us this. This this is what he's leading us to do. Don't know how it's gonna happen, but God is with us. Let's go, let's do this. If we die, we die, but let's just, I think God is capable. The other men, they're like, no, bad idea. Bad, no, look it. I know God said, but. And if you know the story, because of that report, because most of those spies who went to check out the land brought back the report, said, look, we can't do this. I don't know if God's quite capable enough. The result of that, they spent the next 40 years wandering around the desert. That entire generation, minus Joshua and Caleb, end up dying off. They get old and die. So now they've come back. The next generation is now facing that wall again. This, here's the point. This is why it's so important. If we're going to tear down walls, we, like the previous generation in this story, are going to come and face walls, and we're going to need to decide, is God capable of dealing with this wall before me now? Or perhaps do I just avoid this wall for the rest of my life? Think of generational barriers. Have you ever caught yourself saying something like, I was just born this way. Like, this is the way I am. This is the way I've always been. And therefore, this is, this is it. As far, as far as I can tell, this wall has always existed. Been in my life. It's in my parents' life. Um, I, I heard it was in my grandparents' life. This, this, is, this wall's not meant to move. Um, divorce is just a thing in my family. It's just always been a thing. I don't like it, but this is, just, this is, what, this is what we do. Depression. It's, I've, I've always suffered from this, this thing. I've always struggled with anxiety. I've always just been a slightly this or that kind of person. And this is how I've always been. This is the way it will always be. This is an immovable wall. I'm not getting too personal. And then we have to decide, okay, are we gonna, are we gonna confront this thing? Or do we perhaps just simply wait to see what the next generation might do after us? This is what God does. The walls in our lives, these aren't just like personal or individual endeavors. God is in the business of transforming the world. This isn't just about individual salvation. This isn't about like, well, look, I can live with the wall, whatever. I'm kind of used to it anyway. At least I'll go to heaven someday. Guys, I'm not quite sure where that sort of thinking came from. I mean, we, you guys are tracking with me, right? This is like a thing. Like, we all think this way. This story it informs our understanding of what salvation is. God thinks in terms of kingdoms. He thinks in terms of generations. He thinks in terms of blessing the entire world. So when he picks a people, when he picks a person, when he adopts someone into his family, he's not just saying, hey, here's some 
new toys for Christmas. He's saying, no, join the family and be a part of this great mission that I'm on to transform the entire world. This is what God does. He displaces kingdoms of darkness only to establish a new kingdom, a kingdom of love, joy, mercy, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, gentleness, the things that characterize the nature of God himself, the things that happen when the king and his kingdom are established in a city, in a life, in a family, in a region, in a nation. God is into establishing his kingdom so that old walls can be torn down, old oppressive systems and ideologies can be displaced with the new ones. The question is, oh, we've gone to the next slide. Only God can tear down Jericho-sized walls. The question is, when we face the wall, will we determine to say, no, I am not going to wander around in a desert only to die off at the end of my life. I am going to face this wall because God is leading us to tear it down. Then Joshua 5, 13 to 15 happens. This is where um, this comes in. Guys, let me read this to you. Uh, Joshua 5, starting in verse 13. Now, we're backing up a little bit. This is before they actually get to the wall. It says, when Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing before him with his drawn sword in his hand, and Joshua went to him and said to him, okay, now picture this. Joshua's approaching the wall, and out of nowhere, he sees a man standing between him and the wall with a sword drawn. Okay, naturally, Joshua says, are you for us or for our adversaries? Are you with Team Israel or do you come from Jericho? And in verse 34, the man says, no, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord army said to Joshua, take off your sandals from your feet for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Before this wall is torn down, God's people, the leader, Joshua, specifically has an encounter with this the commander of the Lord's army. Guys, this is what theologians called um, a Christophany. This is Christ making a cameo in the Old Testament before the Son of God came in the flesh. He would occasionally make appearances of very pivotal uh, moments in the story of God. And so here, I would say Jesus makes a cameo appearance. And he says, before this wall is torn down, let's just establish one thing. Um, in order to tear down a Jericho-sized wall, you're going to need me not to simply be on your side. I'm going to need for you to be on mine. This is really, really important, guys, because this is what we often do. We come up against a wall in our life, and we think, great, okay, this is hard, this is miserable, I want this thing to move, how do I tear it down? I know, uh, I will recruit God to, uh, to do some stuff for me, to tear this thing down. 
And in essence, we end up uh, using this. You know what this? You know what this is? This is the same thing my kids regularly attempt to do to me, like all the time. They they, they want something, or they they want something to change, and so they come to me. They know I can remove the wall. They know I can change the situation. They know that Papa has all authority and power in the Bardoni world. And instead of coming to me as Papa and saying, Papa, what, what do you say? What do you want? What is, what is your will for this situation? They try to find an angle and manipulate me. They do this all the time. They try to manipulate me or mama to get me to basically do their will. And I fall for it occasionally because sometimes it's just, it's just too exhausting to, like, to resist. <laughs> like, fine, I'll just do it. I'll just, just please let me sleep. God never, ever plays the game. He refuses to be manipulated by rebellious children. You know what manipulation is likened to in the scriptures? This this sort of like, let me come to God and get him to join my team to do my will. And let me see how I can kind of, I might even employ religious words. I might say really spiritual sounding prayers and, and somehow get God to side with me. Um, that sort of manipulation, this is going to trip you out. The Bible refers to it as witchcraft. It's witchcraft. I know, it's like, whoa, witchcraft, what are you talking about? Witchcraft. It's the same as rebellion. It's like the rebellious, manipulative little kid coming to mom or dad, trying to manipulate them into doing what they want done versus coming to God and saying, your God, what is your will? Speak to your servant. I want to, I want to be a part of your plan. Any other approach is, is it's manipulation, and God never plays, which is super important because, guys, we do this all the time with God. We, we're like, God, I want you to help me. I want you to do this for me. I want you to get me out of this. But I don't want to come to you as, as my king. I don't want to come to you as my Lord, as my God. I simply want to use you to get me out of this bind. And then when God doesn't do what we want him to do, we get really bitter or angry or upset. And we're like, why aren't you doing what I want you to do? Why aren't you joining my team? Why aren't you doing my will? And I believe oftentimes God would say, I am not here to do your bidding. I am God. I am your king. The reason why you keep running your head into this seemingly impassable barrier in life, it's because, well, your whole life is riddled with, can I say it? Sin. Sin. I am not Lord of your life. You've not submitted to me as your king. You're not living according to my will. You're not submitting yourself to my ways. I am not Lord in your life. You're not living like it. You're not submitting yourself to me like it. And therefore, no, I'm not going to do your bidding. I believe God would often say. 
And so when we come to the wall, step number one, don't run, don't resign yourself, don't try to avoid the wall, say, no, God has called me to confront this wall because I'm a part of his kingdom, which is meant to displace old regressive dark kingdoms, step number one. Step number two, we bow down before the king and say, what's your agenda, Lord? What is your plan, Lord? Is there something in my life that's not aligning with your ways? We come to him, bow down first. We worship him, face to the ground, say, God, let your will be done, not just in word, not just in, not in lip service, with all of our being. And then God says, okay, get up. Let's go to battle. Let's tear this wall down, my son, my daughter. Is that hard? Yeah, yeah, so hard. Let's go to the next slide and we'll wrap up. Amen. Remember, The secret to victory is always faith and obedience. We want secret knowledge. We want the latest tip. We want the microwave dinner. We want the credit cards, the lottery tickets. We want the genie in the bottle. And God keeps insisting, trust and obey. So what's the the walking around the, the wall? Let's... Let's deal with that for a second. I mean, can we just agree that it's a super weird battle plan? (laughs) So here's the wall. I'm sure it wasn't perfectly round, but whatever. Okay, so here's Jericho. If I can draw a little kingdom. Tower, battle, whatever. So here's the wall. Battle plan, march around the wall. Do it six times, do it seven times. On the seventh day, do it seven times. And then at the end of all that, blow the trumpets, which by the way, is, it's, the, it's the sound that's made when the king is coming. It's the sign that the kingdom is being inaugurated. Blow the trumpets and then shout. Shout a, a, a shout of victory. What is the marching around the wall? What are they doing? What are they doing? Building intensity? I don't know. I, I, I've often wondered, like, I wonder if perhaps it was like the vibration and maybe like the shout was so loud, like the wall shook and uh, maybe, I don't know. Maybe. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what this is. Faith and obedience. What are they doing? They're doing exactly what God told them to do. Exactly what God told them to do. They do it one day, I do it a second a day, third day, fourth day, fifth day. By the sixth day, you gotta, you gotta think, like if it was me, I'd be like, okay, this is, this is embarrassing, this is silly, this isn't working. Okay, we need um, someone, please, go download a podcast. We got... Clearly, there's like a secret teaching. That mis- like, I'm making this point because, guys, this is the world we live in. This is a, the society. This is like our, the, the church air we're breathing these days. We think that like if there's something, some problem in my life, the solution is like it must be that I'm missing a secret bit of knowledge. And if I could just 
get another sermon, or if I could just get that latest, edgy, slightly conspiratorial-ish book that's going to like unlock all the secrets of heaven, then surely I'll be able to tear down the wall. And I think that's a huge mistake. The victory always comes the same way. Trust and obey. Trust and obey. If God said, do this, do it. And then do it. And then do it again. And then keep doing it until it's complete. Uh, it's, it's like not complicated at all. If God says to forgive your brother or your sister, okay, here's, here's the secret. Here's the secret to overcoming bitterness in your heart to overcoming emotions of resentment and, and hatred. Here's what God says to do. Forgive. No, no, but it's, it's, it's got to be more complicated than that. I need a secret teaching. No, you don't. You need to trust God and you need to obey. doesn't mean it's easy. I'm not saying that. No one is saying that. Not easy at all. Sometimes quite complex, but never more complicated than do what God said to do and then do it again. Trust that God is able to tear down the walls in your life and that it's not going to take you somehow adding to it. Trust that God is able and then do what he told you to do. Trust and obey. If you struggle with anxiety related to uh, materialism, and for me in my life, Shirley and I, our three kids, we don't have a lot of money. We have very little money. We have enough. And occasionally something will happen and I'll look at my bank statement and all of a sudden, like my heart will just like, you know that feeling when you're like just, you could like physically, it just, you can feel it surge through your body. You're like, <gasps> money, <laughs> I don't have enough. And you kind of freak out for a second. Now that can like really consume you. I mean, that can wreck your life. You can, you can end up getting obsessed. You can just end up like living in a constant state of anxiety. Um, how do you tear that wall down? Well, there's a few things. One, I would say, um, Jesus says to give, and this is not like a pitch for give all your money to the church. Okay, just please don't, let's not even go there. God says to give, and then he'll give back to you. God says to seek his kingdom first, and then everything else you need and desire, think you need and desire, will be added to you. So the solution isn't to necessarily uh, read more books or go to more financial seminars. All, all those, those things are great. I'm into all of those. But most fundamentally, God says, give, be generous, and you will be set free from, from bondage to material anxiety. And you'll experience what freedom is like in my kingdom. Um, I mentioned like walls in marriage. I know not everyone in here is married, 
Um, if you ever do want to get married, let me just tell you, you're going to hit some of the biggest, heaviest, hardest, scariest walls you'll ever face in life. Um, those walls can come down. Sometimes we erect the walls ourselves. We, we do things, we disobey God in ways where we end up erecting walls. And we're like, how did this wall get here? You built it. <laughs> you built that wall. Um, God gives us some very clear instructions in terms of how we are to um, honor him with our bodies so in terms of our sexuality, like God's, God's very clear. There's a, there's a very specific way he wants us to enjoy sex, sexual intimacy with another human being, and he gives us some very clear instructions. It's to be done in the context of marriage between a man and a woman. Okay, that's what God's word tells us. Trust and obey. It's actually not super complicated. Hard. So, so hard. Oh my gosh. Even offensive. Let's just be real. Don't sleep together before you get married. Let's just, let's just break it down like that. Don't have sex with the person you love until you've established the covenant of marriage with God. Two people with God. Okay, that's what God says to do. Trust him at his word. He gave us our bodies. He invented sexuality. He made up the orgasm and intimacy. Trust him and obey. Not super complicated. This is how we tear down walls. We trust and obey. So let me ask you this. How's your faith and obedience doing these days? How are you doing with that? This is a touchy one, because at this point, you might be thinking like, oh goodness, I'm, I'm feeling, gosh, I'm feeling slightly guilty. I'm thinking I'm not coming back here next week. Hillary was much funnier. That was last week. She was. It was a great sermon, by the way. I listened to it on the podcast. Way more pleasant than this, I'm sure. Um, but we have to talk about sin from time to time. And actually just obeying God. Um, how are you doing with that? Are the walls in your life not coming down because you're simply refusing to trust and obey God according to his word? Is it a wall that you've erected yourself because of that? What do you do if in a moment like this you start to think about it and you realize like, oh, you know what? I'm not even sure. I'm not sure where I'm even at in this picture. Like, are you, are you here with Israel working to tear down the wall of this dark kingdom? Or are you thinking maybe, like, I might actually be in here? <laughs> so it begs the question, it begs the question, 
Where are you? Here. Are you out here? Or are you in here? Which side of the wall are you on? Are you in or are you out? Which, by the way, is a really, really bad question. Every time in scriptures you start to see God's people, you even see what the disciples in the New Testament start to like debate about who's in and who's out, oh, it just never, ever goes well. This idea of like, oh, we're the righteous people. I'm, I am the morally superior person, so <laughs> clearly I'm out here with the Israelites fighting the good fight, not in here with the baddies. It's, it's really bad theology to begin thinking of the kingdom in those terms, Okay? Because the truth is, no one's ever out here. You know, this is, um, what is it, Deuteronomy 9, 5. God says to his people, says to Moses actually, he says, not because of your righteousness, but because of the wickedness of the evil people currently possessing the land, am I sending you to conquer Israel, the fact that God was utilizing them to tear down this wall, they had nothing to boast about, nothing to brag about in of themselves. God said, look at it, don't don't kid yourself. Don't think for one second that I'm utilizing you to tear down this wall because you're so righteous. Israel had problems, just like the rest of us. Here's the truth. Here's where we are, guys. Here's where all of, all of us are. Right about there. We're in the wall. You know who was living in the wall? You guys remember the story of Rahab the prostitute? You guys remember that? Okay, we're going to end here. Joshua 6, verse 16. At the seventh time... When the priests had blown the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city, and the city and all that is within it shall be devoted to the Lord for the destruction. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in her house shall live, because she hid the messengers whom we sent in. If you go back to Joshua 2, we read of Joshua sending new spies, the next generation of spies, to go in and suss out the situation. And in order to get into Jericho, they ended up interacting with a prostitute there who were told literally lived in the wall. And it says that because she recognized that the God of Israel, who was in fact the king of heaven and earth, well, it had gone before them. She said, look it, I'll do whatever I have to do. I just don't want to come against your God. Because we all, and it says that all of the people, all of the Canaanites, all of the people of this city recognized that God was, was going to deal with their wickedness. And so this one woman named Rahab, this prostitute and her family, who literally lived in the wall, they were the ones that God said, we're going to go and we're going to tear down this dark kingdom, only save the one who said, look, I'm, 
I, I, I have, I'm desperate. I don't want to come against your God. I realize this city needs to come down. This, this whole situation is debauched. But if, you, if there is mercy in the heart of your God, please, won't you spare me and my family, this woman who lived in the wall. Your faith may waver. Your obedience may fail. And not every wall you face in this life may come down. But you can be sure that the greatest wall, the eternal wall that we will all face when the time comes, the wall of sin and ultimately even death that once separated us all from God, you can be sure that this wall has been torn down in the death of Christ. And on that day, will you find yourself hidden in him, embedded in the mercy of the righteous one? I want to end on, on this note because it really it, it puts us right into a very appropriate paradox. There's walls in your life that God absolutely wants to tear down. There are generational walls. There are personal walls. There are practical walls. There are dark, sinister walls. There are subtle walls. God wants to tear them down. He wants to use you to reverse the patterns of perhaps multiple generations in your family and maybe this society. If we'll stand, if we'll, if we'll faith, face this thing and trust that God is big enough to tear it down, it will require that we trust him and that we obey him, that we submit to him, not as our spiritual accessory, but as our God. It will require that we repent and say, God, there are things that I've done to add to this wall. And today, I want to bring these things to you and, and call it what it is. And I want, to, I want to dedicate my life to honoring you with everything that I've got. But at the end of the day, every one of us here in this room, we will fail. And we'll find ourselves in that very uncomfortable position where we're tempted to feel great shame for not honoring God in all the ways that we should. And in that moment, I would say, be hidden in the wall like the prostitute. Know that in Christ, no matter how good or righteous you think you are or aren't, if we trust him, if we trust that he was the one that was torn down for us, and when he returns, we will be raised up. Can we stand together, please?